Hello and welcome to Connected with Lori. I am your host, Lori Caruso. On our show, we always highlight the future innovations of technology. And on this episode, we are going to hear from the CEO of Xtenet Systems, Mr. Jim Hyde, and their approach to building the infrastructure it will take to get us to the future and beyond with connectivity. Hey, Jim, how are you? Gosh, it's so great to have you on the show. Glad to be here, Lori. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. So I've got to say, Xtenet Systems, you've been there roughly, what, two and a half years, give or take? Yeah, that's right. Just about two and a half years now. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, really delighted to be here. We've got a great team, a lot of really, really interesting and exciting things going on at Xtenet. Well, it's fantastic. And what... What the show is about is capturing, you know, the innovations of technology and trying to deliver that to the customers and trying to, into, you know, who's listening out there. And they know, or we know, how difficult it is to be able to build technology and, you know, encapsulate what we need to do for growth to be able to have technology work the right way. And I've got to give you kudos. You're doing a great job there for expansion. Thank you very much. Like I said, we're, we're, we're excited with some pretty exciting projects underway. Excellent. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get into a little of that. Now, being Extanet Systems, the largest private owner and operator of DAS and small cell networks, how do you keep up with that? I mean, that's a pretty hefty piece or play where you are at. How do you keep up with that? Well, we've been at it a long time. We've got great relationships with our customers, supported by a terrific team here you know, at Extanet with uh, a lot, a lot of experience uh, in, you know, in this space. So, while the demand drivers are firmly in place and keeping us sort of hopping and on our toes, we've got a terrific team here at Xtenet to make sure that we manage not only our existing business, but also uh, meet customer expectations for the go forward. I happen to know a lot of those folks that work there at <laughs> Xtenet, and I absolutely have to agree with you. They're wonderful people, and there's no question you need that dynamic team behind you to support that every effort. So, you know, being in this industry for a long time, working with the 3PO space, that model, you know, I know that that's a, a, a model that, you know, a lot of folks tend to go to, but I'm curious, is that still a viable model today? Yeah, now more than ever, right? If you think about the network densification requirements that uh, the big demand drivers around 5G will, uh, will dictate, um, you know, a shared model using outside folks like ourselves becomes even more important to our largest uh, our largest customers who are currently the mobile network operators. And then if you sort of layer in um, what we think um, it, what we think 5G will mean to large enterprises, um, non-MNO customers, as you th think about private LTE uh, across campuses, smart cities, large venues, you know, et cetera, a, again, this is all, these are all areas where we're sort of experts and experienced uh, in, in those areas, and these large enterprise customers certainly may not be. So a 3PO like ourselves, important to partner with, but maybe even more importantly, um, is, is, is the way in which you need to approach and think about shared infrastructure. Because at the end of the day, you know, the shared economics and value proposition needs to be better than what the individual customers could do on their own. And that's what Xnet really brings to the party. So virtually you're bringing strategy, how someone can uh, go to their build plan, knowing that they're going to have to, you know, put their technology in their buildings, but you have to put a strategy around it, right? 
Well, that's right. And, and I think you need to stay, you know, sort of out in front of the curve to the best, you know, to, to, to the best we can, and, and which is what we, we try to do here at Extinet. But if you think about um, our business as a, as a whole, we're, you know, yes, we provide great networks and solutions to our, our key customers. But at the end of the day, you know, we're a shared infrastructure and real estate business, right? I mean, we, uh, we have infrastructure that we are able to build out uh, at the request of our customers, and we can share that infrastructure to, to deliver high quality and better economics across the full ecosystem. And then it's also the access to the real estate, whether it's the large venues where we've negotiated and secured rights, you know, to those venues that are um, that are important to our customers, or even you know across the 740 you know municipalities where we do business, you know, here in the United States, you know, those key license agreements and the arrangements we have with those. Uh, those local jurisdictions, all of that real estate is increasingly important to not only the mobile network operator customers, uh, but the cloud providers, the content providers, the large, the large enterprises uh, that are our target customers as well. Absolutely. Now, do you see the mobile network operators actually still deploying to the extent, I know, you know, in a 3PO model, typically you can, you know, drive that, get the infrastructure built based on the carriers. And, you know, we even have some sort of monetized value to it back to the enterprise customer. Do you still see that happening today? And if yes, what do you think? Is it going to continue to be that way? So look, I think um, bo both, and, and, and important to note, right, Xnet, we're, we're outdoor and indoor. We're the, yeah. we're, we're, I, we like to say we're the, only real peer play in the space that can deliver outdoor and indoor solutions across across the full customer set. Having said that, if you think about um, our full enterprise, our full suite, um, five the five G demand drivers are really what's going to what's going to dictate the need for additional densification, both outdoors, you know, and indoors. And if anything, you know, the indoor, uh, the connected uh, real estate uh, becomes uh, even more important across the full spectrum of what we do kind of going forward. And, and a lot of that comes down to um, not just the applications uh, and, and services that our customers need to deliver uh, within the confines of these large uh, venues that we cover, but it's the way in which it's being delivered. If you really think about 5G and the way in which the mobile network operators want to deploy 5G, it's, it's with mid-band and high-band spectrum. Um, it's no longer going to be acceptable uh, to try to cover uh, to deliver indoor coverage from a you know, rooftop across the street. That just doesn't exist. We've got to bring the signal source inside. Um, and, then, and then really you can run a host uh, of, of other applications uh, on the network that we deploy you know, in building, whether that's private LTE and 5G via CBRS and applications that can run on a, on a private slice of that network. And then right on top of that, we can certainly be running public cellular and, and, and so forth uh, on that same infrastructure. Excellent. It's definitely important for expansion for the network. There's no question. Now tell me also, I know that you guys are making the news. We have um, you know, heard that you've entered into a few partnerships in January. You want to talk about a little, little bit about what those partnerships do for you as far as uh, Evoke? I want to say that was one of them that I heard about. Mm -hmm. Sure. So we're, Evoke's a new partner for us. We, we entered into a strategic partnership where we're providing our full suite of uh, cloud-based services, but more importantly, connectivity uh, to 14 of their data centers and really um, uh, offer their data center customers a choice uh, in terms of content and cloud, uh, cloud services. So um, that's, I think that's an important you know, partnership and really indicative of 
of um, some of the opportunities that lay before not just XNet, but the industry as a whole. Um, I, th I think the traditional colo data center uh, 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 facilities themselves are taking on a whole new role uh, you know, going forward. If you really start to think about what mobile edge compute really is going to look like and who those tenants and who those customers are going to be and where they need to be located, I think the regional uh, data centers become a big part of that architecture and infrastructure going forward. And then extend that just a little bit further. I think it, it also maybe is a, a, a sort of a peak into the future. Uh, if you think about uh, companies like Extinet that provide these shared uh, communications infrastructure solutions across the gamut of customers, and the need to bring um, the uh, to need to need to bring the ability to compute uh, uh, closer to the end user, um, you start to think about what does the hub of the future really look like? Where are those located? Are they located in places like Evoke data centers? Absolutely yes. Data bank data centers? Absolutely yes. But you start to think about what I call the hub of the future or that data center of the future. It gets pretty interesting to think about how that sort of sits right on top of the infrastructure that we provide for our customers uh, today. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, that's it's important. And, you know, collaboration is such an important effort. I mean, I see that, you know, if you're just doing it alone, there's no way you're going to be able to build the infrastructure that we're tasked to do in such a short period of time. It's so important right. to reach out, collaborate, find those partnerships that are going to bring in what you don't have to make you successful. What other uh, partners do you have on tap? What else do you think that you're going to venture into to make that success? So some of it's, uh, you know, our existing, the, the partnerships we have today, and it's just expanding upon those relationships. And in other, other circumstances, there's a whole new frontier of business for us to go to, you know, attack together. Again, a lot of this kind of comes down to um, what the applications, right, that are going to ride on the kind of infrastructure and services that we provide, what those actually turn out to be, right? Anywhere from simple data center connectivity and then Instead, in, in, the way we think about um, the opportunity for, for us and this, um, uh, this shared infrastructure service that we provide is not necessarily data centers, but centers of data, right? And, that's, and that's, where, that's where the new hub really becomes, you know, interesting, not just for the mobile network operators who are our largest customers today, but also for those, those content um, providers, those cloud providers, those application providers that need to get closer you know, to the end user, closer to the edge. I mean, at the end of the day, if you think about it, we are the edge, right? We're deploying indoor and outdoor small cell and DAS networks to the edge, right? And so we be that becomes pretty critical. So then, and then think about some of the other applications that are being sold in um, that require that kind of densified network, that kind of edge, you know, capabilities. And, and you know, the sky's really the limit from indoor wireless manufacturing applications, robotics, smart cities, um, you know, autonomous, you know, vehicles, all of that's going to require the kind of densified network infrastructure that we deploy on behalf of all of our customers. Jim, that's exciting. I have to say, we have no idea what's in store for us in the future, but I do know it's going to be pretty exciting. So with that said, I'm going to take a short break and we're going to get back into that excitement. Just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Volt Server's patented digital electricity solutions deliver cost-effective, reliable power where and when you need. The digital electricity platform is trusted by the world's largest mobile network operators, and it is deployed at hundreds of marquee sites, including stadiums, airports, and office buildings. What can Volt Server power for you?
For more information, visit our website at www.voltserver.com or contact us at 888-622-VOLT. That's 888-622-8658. Welcome back. We have Jim Hyde from Extanet Systems here again. Jim, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I know that there's so much that you guys are doing at Extanet Systems right now. And, you know, driving into the future of what we need to do to be successful, to build the technology that we need. And before the break, we were talking about all of these innovations, you know, and everything that is going to fit within that. And you are at that forefront to make it happen. It's pretty cool that that's the case. So tell me, you know, being there for two and a half years, give or take, tell me again, some of the highlights that you've done so far 2020, and then let's get into what you're, you're looking to do beyond. Sure. Well, look, 2020 was an interesting year for, for, for Axtonet. You know, we learned a lot about ourselves and, um, and very proud of the way the team reacted to, you know, really unprecedented times r related to the coronavirus and the global pandemic. You know, we had the good news is the way our company is, is set up, we, you know, we have about 50 percent of our workforce that was already remote, not that doesn't go into the office every day. We have eight regional offices across the United States, and we were equipped and able to really kind of flip the switch in a 24 hour period and go totally remote. So I think while we adapted very quickly um, at Extinet, not so much for you know some of the folks we do business with on a day on a daily basis. Our customers themselves, um, as you can imagine, a, a lot of the local municipalities and jurisdictions, it was it was quite a change you know for those folks. So we needed to learn and really help reinvent some of the processes, simple things around like permitting, for example, to, you know to, to to get power uh, to a node that's being deployed. All of that changed. So we spent a lot of 2020 learning and reinventing with our customers and with, uh, with our partners, a, a new normal. And I think we, at the end of the day, did, a, did a, just a fantastic job. Uh, we came out of the gates in 2020 like gangbusters, just as we expected to do. Um, that middle half of the year, I think, was a little bit rocky for, for everybody. And then we finished with a bang. And, and the two big things, you know, any, any company like ours is most focused on is how quickly you can convert your backlog of contracted business and get those networks, get those nodes uh, and networks on air for your customers so that they can deliver great customer service to their customers, right? So it's how quickly we can convert our backlog to on air uh, networks, and then how quickly we can continue to refill the backlog in terms of new bookings. And in the fourth quarter, Extinet set a record in terms of new node deployment and new bookings uh, as in the history of the company. So started off strong, middle half of the year was a little bit rocky, um, as we were sort of reinventing ourselves and then just finished with a, finished with a bang. Couldn't be, couldn't be more proud of the team. I always ask viewers, people that are going to be on the show, the pandemic pivot, what was that? And it sounds like you guys were able to pivot well, considering. And I know, you know, with these infrastructure builds, we have uh, service level agreements placed on them. We have to, you know, get this project completed by a certain on-air time. And, you know, I, talking to others, it's been challenging, but the fact that Extinet's been able to do what you're able to do, but do it successfully, how else did you do that? I'm really curious because I'm not hearing that normally. So good job, you guys. Well, thanks. I mean, it, it certainly didn't hurt that uh, uh, infrastructure providers like ourselves were considered essential workers. So while, again, very often we needed to pivot and adapt and overcome some of the challenges that local municipalities and heck, even even some other 
other other uh, 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 impacts outside of the pandemic itself. Think about what else was going on last summer. It wasn't just the pandemic. We have forty two. We have forty two active builds going on in cities across America right now. Some of those cities were under siege during the summer with riots in the street and curfews and and everything else. So we we really needed to get creative on the way in which we work with our third party contractors that help us uh, build these networks, the cities themselves, and so forth, and 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 really be able to uh, pivot where we could pivot, take advantage of those situations where we could actually extend the construction window in some cities because the streets were deserted and leverage that. And in other areas where, where we were shut down because of whether it's the pandemic or, or just situations going on in the streets in, in, in some of those cities, we need to be able to pivot quickly and put our resources where we could make the most progress the quickest. So it took a fair amount of flexibility and creativity on behalf of the entire team. You actually bring up such a good point because it's not something that we're thinking, you know, right? Curfews, streets are shut down. You have to detour here. You've got an entire riot that you have to keep your workers protected from and and push them over here, but yet still do the job and do it on time and do it well, by the way. If you think about it, and on the indoor side, it was it was interesting, right? Because like, um, uh, here's an example, Cowboy Stadium. We delivered what we believe is the largest 5G upgrade network on the planet, right? The size of that deployment was massive. We did that project from start to finish, right? From first first bit of work we were doing on a catwalk to fully operational network in 16 weeks. Why? Stadium's empty, right? I mean, you know, that- we, just, we were able to deploy that in record time, right? Based on um, based on, you know, the situation. And um, so you just got, I think mean, you need to just lean in and take advantage of those opportunities when they present themselves. And that, that's just another good example of how, how you pivot. Yeah, when you're drilling through the seats and the coring through the seats, you only had that cardboard person that's now sitting there, right? <laughs> that's right. Much easier to work around. that's excellent wonderful so all right so 2020 yeah there's no question there were challenges and hopefully we're going to start seeing those challenges dissipate for the most part 2021 and beyond what other things do you have on tap for future growth for Xconet for beyonds so we've got yeah so we've got um we've got as i said before a, a, a massive pipeline of business where you know our large customers are most focused on how quickly you know we can get those networks on air you know, for them and, 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 and deliver you know, great connectivity. So in addition to sort of the normal execution on what should be another record build plan for 2021 relative to 2020, which was, which was a record, then we've got a big pipeline of new opportunities as well. We'll be, we'll be working very closely, not only with our carrier customers on their 5G network uh, uh, plans and how we can best help them deliver and accelerate those plans, um, but we've got some other big projects in 2021. We're working closely, you know, with T-Mobile on the network integration, you know, with the with the old Sprint network, you know, for, for example. We've got some very large, what I would call new strategic opportunities tied to the private network um, um, that that I sort of hinted around hinted to later. We've got some very very important and active proof of concepts out there with some big name Fortune 500 companies as it relates to uh, private networks that were. Uh, we'll be focused on this year. So really delivering new sorts of services uh, with our kind of infrastructure. And then last but not least, certainly equally important is expanding our, uh, the, the infrastructure services that we provide to include, include what we call the hub of the future, those centers of data closer to the edge, 
So that's really important for us as we think about, you know, 2021. Some of the challenges we're going to be dealing with um, in 2021, uh, not the least of which is the reality of, of shifting CapEx priorities. We're coming off of, you know, a C-band auction that's, you know, double, you know, the, the in terms of sort of size of the price uh, of, of any previous auction in the history of Spectrum auctions. And I've been around, you know, for all of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm semi sort of proud and embarrassed to say. Um, so, so you know, we're, we're in a situation where we think because of the fact that we're very well capitalized, we're large and we're private, that we can work in a more creative way with our customers as they think about how they need to reprioritize their capital uh, as it relates to the C-band, you know, commitments long-term, you know, the more mid-band spectrum that, that becomes um, uh, deployable on behalf of the mobile network operators, the better for us uh, because mid-band spectrum by definition screams small cell and indoor. Um, so I think all good for us, 2021 is going to have a lot of opportunities, but also a fair number of new challenges. There's no question about that. And I was going to ask you about the C-band auction. So I'm glad you brought it up. That's actually sure. Important. I mean, I, I we just came off of this auction. I can't believe how much money was spent. Um, it, it's pretty unbelievable, but it has to happen. If we're going to be successful in the future, we have no choice but to do this and free up the space for doing exactly that. Uh, you know, a, a really a really smart, um, um, long-haired, um, magenta-clad, recently retired CEO said a number of years ago, um, you know, the uh, everything's going on the internet and the internet's going wireless. It's absolutely true. And so the capacity you know, required to deliver on that prediction is, is, is massive, right? And so, yeah, the C-band auction, super exciting. Obviously, we're going to try to get as much of that, the, you know, the, 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 the A-band stuff that can be deployed sooner, you know, get that stuff cleared and ready to go as early as we can. And we're you will be ready to get that deployed across the whole of our infrastructure on behalf of our customers whenever, whenever they're ready. Absolutely. And speaking of Mr. Mark Anzi, how is the digital colony piece working out? I know, you know, collaboration and working and partnering and doing your thing. Talk to me a little bit about digital colony. Sure. I mean, well, as you know, digital colony is, is, uh, is, is a large equity owner of, of Extinet, Mark uh, Ganzi. Uh, is the uh, chairman of the XNet board and uh, and a good friend of mine. Um, look, he is a, he's a true visionary. The digital you know colony um, you know strategy of bringing bringing this the, the whole of digital communications infrastructure and real estate together in sort of one large portfolio of businesses is very very unique and creates lots of very interesting and important strategic partnering opportunity for us. If you think about um, if, if you, as you think about macro towers with vertical bridge, indoor and outdoor small cell networks with, you know, Extinet, a fiber connectivity with Extinet and uh, Zeo, um, hyperscale data centers through Vantage, and then regional data centers through Databank. And that's just the North American portfolio of companies. You can, you can sort of connect the dots there and, and really understand, understand the true vision um, of that strategy. And uh, I would say Extinet's certainly a very important, you know, piece of that. Uh, you know, long term and, and the opportunities that that creates for us, the doors that it opens, um, the, the, the chances we have to sit down with our shared customers and have a much more comprehensive and meaningful you know, conversation with them is pretty unique. It is absolutely unique and a must. 
to be able to work together, well, collaborate, get it on together. It's going to bring you guys to success. I absolutely have to say great job. Kudos for that. So we all like each other, which is you know. important. That, you know what? <laughs> if you can find somebody you like and you work well with them, stick yeah. to them. And they're going right. to they're going to take you in far, far and beyond. So great job. Well, for Mark's, that. Mark's been doing this a long time. And, you know, his role now at Colony Capital opens up a whole new sort of host of opportunities for us uh, as well. Uh, as they really rotate out of some of the traditional, you know, real estate, uh, real estate assets into, you know, what Mark defines as digital real estate. And that's what it's all about for the future. And say one to watch, but we continue to watch him. He's one to continue to watch. I love it. <laughs> right, right. So I know that we talked about that pandemic pivot and professionally what you had to do. Talk to me a little bit about personally. Did you have anything that you had to change that maybe travel? I mean, our lives stopped, right? I think I was in an airport yeah. living there constantly. What about you? Anything that changed? Yeah, you know, you, you and me both. I, I spend, you know, a ton of time um, traveling on the road and with customers. And you know, many of our large customers still, are, they're just starting to, start, you know, take personal meetings. One of the things I think we all learned, though, you probably you probably you know, would, would agree, is, um, look, I mean, this works, right? I mean, we're able to make this work. I, I, I absolutely think um, for the year in 20, you know, 20, we were able to make this thing work. And part of that is because um, we, we, were all, we were all put in the position where we had to make it work, right? So like, I think everybody prefers being able to you know, get together in person with your customers, sit down around a table with your team and really kind of collaborate in that personal interaction. I think we all need that. And I think ultimately um, that is much more powerful, powerful and important for all businesses, but we're able to make this work. So one of the things that we all, I think, had to adjust to personally was, figuring out a way to make this work. And the fact that we were sort of all in the same boat at the same time with the same challenge allowed for us to collectively make this work. We really did have to change our ways, didn't we? Well, hopefully one day we'll be able to reconvene, have another interview, but maybe do it in person. That'd be great. Look forward to that. I do too. Mr. Jim Hyde, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. And so many great things to come for you guys. I'm excited to see it and watch you guys go in action. Love it. Thanks, Laura. You guys do a great job. Appreciate the time. Interested in being part of our show or advertising on our podcast? Contact us at info at fifthgenmedia.com for more information. We'd love to be a part of your success.